Happy Monday, my Liberty Kitty Cats. Welcome back to the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I got to tell you about another amazing podcast. This is called the Peddling Fiction Podcast, and it's hosted by our good friend, Johnny Perfita. I interviewed him just a couple of weeks ago. He's an awesome dude, and he's chilling out in Puerto Vallarta right now. I can't say I blame him. I can say I'm very jealous, but you got to check out this podcast because Johnny has a real knack for breaking down all of the fictions peddled by politicians and by your friends and neighbors. Uh, phrases such as taxation is theft. No, it's not, you fool. <laughs> uh, he can break down this stuff so well. He also did a really great breakdown of everything going on with the election. Guys, you have got to check out the Peddling Fiction podcast and stay tuned at the end of this podcast for a very special preview. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. All right, Kitty Cats, my guest today, I'm uh, welcoming him back to the show. He is one of the executive producers of the amazing documentary Monopoly on Violence. He is, of course, the host of Free Man Beyond the Wall. He is Pete Quinones. Pete, are you ready to roar? Always. Let's do this. I had an idea you would be in a... as we discussed before the show, it's uh, and it's Friday evening right now when we're recording. I've got myself a little uh, glass of Balvenie Scotch, and I believe you got a, a beverage as well, huh? Uh, Maker's Mark. I ran. I ran out of larceny. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, I think. I think it's going to work out though. So uh, you know, <laughs> we don't want to get get into this too much. I know, but. I, just because we haven't discussed it with you on this show, we, we got into it a little bit when you had me on uh, this summer back when I was in Mexico. Uh, I just want to kind of go over a little bit. What was your initial like gut reactions when all of this coronavirus started coming out, when there started to be kind of these headlines about this disease? Did you ever see it, even at that point, coming to anything like where we are now? I saw it as what I've been predicting for years now. It was the opportunity that Davos, Bilderberg, all those people were going to use to um, they're they're going to see, in my opinion, the culture changed in about a month. From May 15th to April 15th, the culture permanently was changed in this country. People adopted a an attitude of fear, and that was going to be... And the zeitgeist of the whole world has been fear for centuries. But it's been... It's gotten worse in the 20th century, much worse after 9-11, and now it's just... I mean, I knew that it was going to take hold. So um, immediately I changed tactics, started talking about agorism, started podcasting as much as I could about what I thought was happening. And if anything, I underestimated what was going to happen. I mean, I've, I, I made some predictions that came true, but unfortunately I had like end dates on them and it's going to be true. Yeah, it blew way past the end dates and everything. So, um, yeah, I've been all over the, World Economic Forum and the Great Reset since early June. Since I saw that, I think I saw it on June 6th or June 7th. And um, yeah, it's just, I, I knew that they were going to take advantage of this and they were going to do it for, for bad. I just didn't know. I didn't realize how poorly the, the people of the world were going to act and just l- lay down. I mean, I know that some countries aren't laying down. I mean, I know a lot of people in Australia are trying to fight back and everything, but there's, it seems like the overwhelming majority of people either are so scared that they can't do anything, uh, th- that they're petrified and they don't want to leave their house. They don't want other people to leave their house or 
there are people who are just scared to say anything like they're going to you know incur the wrath of not only the authorities, but their neighbors. So, I mean, I, I was, I, I saw this immediately and the Karen meme kicked off and then disappeared. And I never forgot about the Karen meme. And the reason the Karen meme disappeared is, is because it came, it, now it was mainstream. So it's no longer a meme. It's just because everyone's like, Karen now. Yeah. We're all Karen now. <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's life. Yeah. Uh, when you mentioned Australia there, I think of this tweet I saw this week. I, I'm sure you probably saw it. It's uh, mm. it was this lady tweeting to like the Australian police of some level of Australian police. And she was saying, oh, you know, my husband, my idiot husband, first of all, uh, fuck this bitch. My idiot husband thinks we can go walk our dog. Is that true? And the, uh, you know, the, they tweet back. No, ma'am, you cannot walk your dog. And she's like, oh, thank God. I, t- I told him he was stupid. Of course, we can't go walk our dog. And I'm like, this is a real this is a real thing happening happening in our world right now where not only is it, it, it the laws are one thing the lockdowns are one thing it's so it's so far beyond that because at this point i mean if gavin newsom here in california probably not gonna happen if gavin newsom said today this is over we're not doing lockdowns we're not doing masks this is stuff is stupid there would be a rebellion against him because so many people are in such fear they want the authoritarianism they want the authorities to come down and say no you have to stay inside your house to protect us from this this mystical virus yeah i mean i i saw that and there are so many people who and unfortunately for a while there i think it was really going down party lines and i don't think it's going down party lines anymore i think the the people on the right are really grabbing onto it you know with oh this whole the the hospitals are being overrun i heard that and i'm like what it's like i know doctors i can just call doctors up and say okay is this true and it's like, well, no, not in our area and everything. So it's like, then what what are they talking about? And they went back to that meme. I was just like, holy crap. And people are buying it. And I just I, I don't know. I have no faith in no faith in people anymore. I think Vin Armani has it right. Go to an island. Yeah. Go to to either physically go to an island or form a, another island of some kind, form our own communities, form our own sort of aggregate communes. It probably isn't the word, but aggregate communities, aggregate communities. I mean, we, we have to build our own. This is the kind of the way I've started to think, too. Like, we're not going to change the stuff that's going on. Ultimately, you might change it in pockets. You might change in the minds of individuals. But the way that this sort of totalitarian wave has come across the world, I mean, it, it's going to take a lot more uh, than just, you know, talking about libertarian philosophy to turn this thing around. No one's going to even be able to want to listen to this shit because they're too busy either living in fear or, you know, or enforcing the fear on other people. After 9-11, libertarian philosophy was just jettisoned and it was pretty much made fun of and mocked. Um, Now, it doesn't even really exist. It has no power. Um, Even you could have made the argument in the past that when things were bad, at least some of the economics was staying there. You know, there were some people talking about, you know, we need free trade. We need a free market and everything. That's out the window now, too. So it's like, I mean, I don't even... Uh, talking about specifics of libertarianism has gone out the window for me. I'm pretty much uh, resigned myself to talking about philosophy, talking about political power, um, political science, things like that. I mean, it's just not, I've said it many times recently on podcasts. It's like, if you take the last 50 years as, you know, 50 years ago was the birth of libertarianism. Well, libertarianism has done absolutely nothing to gain ground to grab hold or to stop power from growing the technocratic state from growing. So, you know, philosophically, I'm a libertarian. I mean, I think that um, 
in small pockets, it, it could work. But as far as everything else goes, I mean, it just seems everything's like out the window right now is really throwing throwing it up against the wall and see what sticks. So where's your pocket going to be, Pete? I, I know you're out there in Atlanta. I don't know if that's uh, that's too much of a physical island away from this, but uh, what's your kind of personal strategy going forward in terms of, of creating some kind of escape for yourself in one way or another? Well, one thing that we've done around here is we've gotten, we've come together, a bunch of us have come together to um, talk about ways to support each other if things start and rent something in the mountains and or worst case, worst case scenario, um, try to leave the country. You know, maybe maybe head down to Mexico, maybe go somewhere. But um, you know, for right I've now, been worse places. Yeah, yeah. For right now, it's uh, Atlanta, and well, outside of Atlanta, everyone who I, I've been getting with, you know, we're we're outside of Atlanta, and we're just you know, getting together and saying, hey, things get bad, we'll support each other and uh, do everything we can to make sure that you know bad stuff doesn't happen. It's I mean, to put it very simply and, you know, put it in a nor- normie words there. Yeah, it's about about the best you can do at this point. So uh, maybe it's a good thing that this all happened uh, this year and not and after you'd already made the documentary Monopoly on Violence, because I don't know, maybe you wouldn't be as motivated to do it uh, at this point, uh, or maybe you would. I, I don't know. But uh, why don't you just take us a little back a little bit into the, the genesis of this documentary, uh, which I, I want to think most people have seen by now, at least part of our, your audience, my audience. If you haven't, go watch this thing. It's probably the best documentary that just flat out explains uh, libertarianism and makes the case against the state, against the Monopoly on Violence. But where did this all come from and how did it all come together? Uh, Chris Kofer here, you know, we have, there are a lot of ANCAPs libertarians in Georgia and I had gotten together and had a dinner and drinks with a couple guys once. And, um, we went back and forth on social media and Chris just came up with the idea, reached out, reached out to Robert Rex first. And, um, you know, they, Robert said, yeah, let's do this. And then they asked me and I was like, my only question was how much time do I have to put into this? You know, it's like, what was my commitment and everything? And they laid it out for me and I was like, sure, I'll give this a shot. And, um, you know, it immediately just have to incorporate and get all the paperwork done. And, uh, then we started laying it out and started figuring out where we're going to do the interviews because, you know, people are, we're going to have to interview a lot of people for this to be able to tape everything together and make this good. So once we figured out where we could do interviews and where we could um, really get a bunch of people in one place, so like um, Anarchopolco and then Mises University, which was probably the biggest place. And then we did, um, Chris did a, a Texas run to hit Ron Paul, Stefan Kinsella, Daniel McAdams, Scott Horton, Max Borders, drove over to New Orleans to hit um, Walter Block. And then in one trip, then flew, came back to Texas and flew to get Michael Humer in Denver. And then um, we had we had connections out in in San Francisco. And we're able to get Thaddeus Russell and um, David Friedman. So, and then you know, Chris did an East Coast run to get Maj Ture and Sal, Sal the Agorist and Tom Woods came all the way down to get Tom Woods in, in Florida. And once all that was done and we knew what we wanted the subject matter to be, you know, act one, act two, act three, 
Um, it was just a matter of putting it together. And that was Chris, you know, Chris had editing experience and we were going to have someone else edit it. And Chris, it was just like, well, I mean, if you can do it, do it. And just started doing it. And editing took, you know, took a couple months. I mean, at one time the, it was three hours and five minutes long. So it was like, well, it's like, well, that's not going to (laughs) work. We're going to have to start cutting a lot of people out of here. And including myself, I I ended up on the cutting room floor a couple of times, which no problem. You had to cut yourself out of your own documentary, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Um, (laughs) but you know, it's like, Hey, you you do what's, you know, you, you do what's best to make it, you know, make it as great as possible. And I think the, when I finally saw the finished product, yeah, I was very pleased. And I think a lot of people were pleased. Um, we actually had a chance to show it this year at Mises university and it had a great reception and everything. The students really liked it a lot. And then we've had nothing but um, good responses from the people who've seen it on YouTube. Unfortunately, we're in the process of being able to sell Blu-rays on Amazon, but unfortunately Amazon is just not, has not given us the okay to stream it on the platform. And it's been, I mean, probably 120 days. (laughs) They're not not rushing to approve it, huh? No, no. And most, and, and, you know, from what I understand from people who have stuff up on there, like Cody Wilson, you know, he said, oh, yeah, that took about two to four days. I'm like, huh. And that's for Cody Wilson, who's uh, pretty damn controversial himself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and I don't think our, you know, what's controversial about our documentary that we, we're advocating for peace. Yeah. I, I, that I guess, actually is quite uh, controversial, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, th- yeah. This year, it's quite. I, I figured, you know. I, I thought I was like one of those blue pilled normies who was like, oh, the COVID will disappear after the election. And oh, maybe they'll maybe the day after the election, they'll OK it to go up onto Amazon. No, no, it, it's staying <laughs> off of Amazon, just like Cody, just like uh, COVID is staying around, guys. So, Boy, did I want to <laughs> believe that. My, my dad was convinced that COVID goes away at right after the election. But uh, oh, no, they say, ramp it up. No, yeah, it's it's a doubling down, especially with Biden going into office. It is doubling, tripling down, and it, it seems that it seems that just like you know, they, they can turn on and off this faucet of fear, and this is something that is part of what the state does, is part of how the state maintains power. Uh, you know, a big theme of, of how you of what you talk about in the documentary, or what what a lot of your um, you know experts talk about, is is how they really just manipulate people with with this idea of fear with something to be afraid of. And you can just see there's like a button. You can see that the, the mainstream media or it's coordinating and see it happen on, on social media where that the fear gets ramped up and the fear gets ramped down and the fear gets ramped up and the fear gets ramped down. And, but it seems like every time it comes back down, it's coming back down to a higher place than it was before. So it's just moving this Overton window of fear over and over and over where one day we're only going to have to wear masks and that'll feel like fine. That'll feel like, Oh, well we've, we've gained something back now when really they just moved this thing so far. I mean, I, I think at one point, like you mentioned the earlier, you made some predictions. I think you were saying, like, I think we're going to have masks to July, probably. Uh, but I, and just like I think you mentioned with, with Vin Armani, uh, you don't see these going away. And I, I see the same thing, too. I mean, they're already saying when once we get the vaccine, well, we still got to wear masks. We still got to socially distance. And there's a lot of people that including people that deem themselves libertarians, uh, that say, look, even despite the efficacy of masks, even if it helps a little, just wear your damn mask because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And this really drives me absolutely insane. It drives me more insane than I think the people that just buy into the whole fear of everything and actually think sure. they need the masks. It's even worse because now you're saying we actually have to become part of this manipulation. We have to make people mm-hmm. feel better with ma- with masks and make this thing just a normal part of life because by that logic, we should never take them off if, if that's the case. Sure. And, you know, I've 
I'm not one who makes lists, but I got a pretty good memory and I'm, <laughs> I'm remembering all of these libertarians who've, you know, promoted this and who helped help the stoke fear and the, you know, turned into masketeers and, you know, basically helped this mask hysteria. It's not, um, I'm not forgetting who these people are and, you know, the ones who would police, you know, who might do policing on social media as well. Uh, you know, when we're, when we're going against this, you know, it's like, I wrote it, I wrote something for my Substack talking about health freedom. And I said, these, these people already think we're crazy. Normies already think we're nuts. I mean, so why would you, why would you sacrifice health freedom for this, for this? I mean, they already think you're crazy. So, you know, what's, what's the problem? You know, it's like, I mean, they're rushing the vaccine to market a novel vaccine that has never done what it's supposed to do before. And, and I see people and, excited about it. I'm like, are you yeah. kidding me? Because right. I think I know many people, who are even many libertarians, it. they think, okay, this is the way out. This is how we get no. out. This is not how we get out. This is no, how we get deeper no. in. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is, um, yeah. I mean, I've, uh, and I've heard all the conspiracy theories and at this point I'm pretty much listening to all and entertaining them all. Um, you know, that there may be chips, in in these vaccines and it wouldn't i mean they've wanted to do that for how long they've been talking about doing chips for how long why not sure i mean i mean we talked this it's, we talked about this on our conspiracy corner that we did for our patreon uh last week uh this thing the great reset uh but one of the things that came up which sounds absurd and it probably is absurd but uh like you i'm kind of willing to believe anything at this point uh, i think it was howie that brought it up there are some people that believe that these vaccines will make people infertile um things like that things that i can't say there's any evidence for but when you go and look at what people are saying out there now if someone i have yet to hear a rational explanation for this ever i've i've asked science people that know about science and they also have never given me a rational explanation for it when when someone like bill gates says we need to lower the population because of global warming and overpopulation and we need to do it by and he lists among those things new vaccines i've yet to find an actual explanation for how that makes any sense unless i don't know unless there's something i don't know about those new vaccines yeah i mean this might be the episode that gets me taken down from everywhere actually already uh, yeah <laughs> well you know and i'm okay with um it. you chop that up um but <laughs> You know, I think it's hilarious. I've mentioned the Great Reset to people, and they look at me like it's a conspiracy. And I'm like, you can. They have a podcast. <laughs> you can subscribe to this. They have a podcast called The Great Reset, where they're talking about how, oh, because we saw the way that people reacted to COVID, now we can get them to react the same way to climate change. They actually say this on the podcast. These are like, I mean, and have you seen the way that Klaus Schwab has started dressing? Uh, he dresses like a futuristic supervillain. Yeah. And it, this has he to dresses be on like purpose. Zod. It's like, Zod. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's he's it, trolling it's on us purpose. At this point. There's no other explanation. He's trolling us. But what here's the thing is it, it gets people like us to go. This is insane. He, he's look at the way he's dressed. He's dressed like friggin Zod. And then. And then people look at us and they go, you're crazy. And they normalize the way he's dressed and the way he's talking. <laughs> because they, Next thing you know, they're going to be wearing masks and they're going to be wearing the Zod outfits around and they're going to think we're nuts for it, for not wanting to wear it too. <laughs> well, you wear pants, don't you? Why don't you wear the Zod outfit? Okay, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> that's a great rationale. I, I love the, the, there are so many rationales for wearing a mask. It's like, um, oh, would you, there's a hundred jelly beans and one of them is poison at this point i would eat the hundred jelly beans. i would i would kill for a poison jelly bean. 
poison yeah, jelly bean right it's now. It's like seriously, you know, and, and that's not even a joke. You know, people are killing, people are killing themselves. Suicide is up, and you will hear some of these covidiots say things like, "Well, you know, that person was obvious, obviously disturbed. They would have killed themselves anyway." I mean, I'm sorry, wow. I, I don't care about the. I really am done with the non-aggression principle. I want to punch those people in the freaking mouth. I mean, they don't, they don't hear, do they hear what they're saying? Do they know how they're talking? I'm done. I mean, I'm, I'm literally done. I mean, that that's the ultimate victim of blaming, blaming right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, they would have killed themselves anyway. And how, how do you, how do you take someone like that and try to sit down and have a conversation about the non-aggression principle and libertarian ideas with someone literally, and, and this is what I'm seeing right now. The world is splitting into two realities, and this is something I was discussing the other day, too. It's not really left versus right. It's not really – it's not even total, ter, totalitarianism versus individualism, although maybe it is in a sense. It's, it's just blue pill versus red pill. And the blue pill mm-hmm. people just buy everything. They buy the narratives of whatever it is. They might be Republicans. They might be Democrats. They might be Libertarians. doesn't matter. Uh, and the red pill people look at things and, and have, I don't know, I'm not saying every red pilled person, quote unquote, is seeing things clearly. Uh, I think we're all manipulated, including uh, myself and you. We're humans. We're, 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 mm-hmm. we, we act in ways that we don't even know why all the time. Uh, some of us like to think that we are more clear headed than others. I, 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 I like to think you and I are. Uh, but, you know, that's where I see the real divide between the blue pill people who buy all the narratives and the people that are skeptical and are always just looking at things from the other point of view, despite what their political views might actually be. Sure. You know, it's um, I was texting with a friend of mine, really good friend, wife, wife of a really good friend. And it was just all TDS. I mean, and I pointed out it was all TDS. And I'm she's basically blaming the hospitals being overrun and all this stuff. It's all Trump's fault. And I'm like, okay, so explain how this is Trump's fault. Shares a box article. Okay. All right. Sure. I mean, every once in a while, Vox has some you good articles. You want more? Here's no, the Atlantic yeah. article. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but it's just, it, Trump broke people's brains to the point where they can't think anymore. And, and libertarians, too. A, a lot of libertarians, mostly mostly mainline libertarians, beltway, what Going we both might ways, call too. beltway libertarians. Yeah. Um, just broke their brains. And, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, I had Scott Horton on the show so many times talking about Russiagate, where he's just we're defending Trump. And it's like, we don't want to defend Trump. We want him. We, we want him tried for war crimes. We want him hung for war crimes. But we don't. But not that way. Not when the CIA you know, plans out a coup and you see all this you know, Ukraine with the Ukraine thing. And everything. I mean, it's just it's insane. And um, I feel like w- the people that I can get with right now, the people that I can talk to, no matter what side of the aisle they're on, no matter what they believe, you know, it's like the Glenn Greenwalds of the world or the Matt Taibbi's of the world. These guys could be flaming liberals, even crossover into progressivism, but they can argue from both sides. They can argue from the right. They can argue from the left. They can defend Trump. They can they can um, say Trump is a total piece of garbage. They can say, well, don't blame him for this because this those are the right. people I can talk to. Everyone else, I, I don't know what to do with because right. you've chosen a side. And once you've chosen a side, 
how do you talk to the person unless you're on their side? And I'm not on anyone's side. I'm on my own side, you know? So it's, right. it's kind of hard to be an individualist out here, you know? And, and, you know, and one thing that I think a lot of us have not wanted to do over the years is, you know, really try. It's hard to get anarchists and stuff to come together in groups and be like, okay, you know, we need to become a group for, our own, all our own best interests and everything. And I think you're seeing a lot of that, you know, John Bush's freedom cells, that website is just blowing up with people who want to get with other, with like-minded people and say, if things start getting really bad, you know, let's have each other's back, you know? And it's like I said on, um, on Twitter, I said, you find, you, you find like-minded people, you figure out who the fed is and you string him up in that group <laughs> and then you keep going. Every group's got one. Yeah. Hey there, kitty cats. I need to take a quick little break to remind you that if you love coffee, and I need coffee, I need coffee to get through interviews at this point because, let's say so, I just passed 40. I need a little extra kick in my step, and I get that kick from our good friends at Lauren Zotti Italy. These guys have some premium coffee blends at an amazing price. You want to check them out at laurenzotti.coffee. That's laurenzotti.coffee, not .com. And what I love about these guys is that they aren't just fine coffee connoisseurs. They are also not just entrepreneurs themselves, but they are out there helping other people start their own businesses. Uh, they help people procure equipment, financing, and everything else they need to start their own coffee shops. So please do check out our friends at Lauren Zotti Italy. Don't forget to use discount code LIONS for 10% off your order that's why i i just think like i see you're mentioning guys like uh, matt taibbi uh, glenn greenwald like those people are are progressive or democrat usually or what have you but i would consider them all red-pilled and that's why it's just to me it's not mm -hmm. about what you actually believe even at all it's just what it's more what you're willing to believe what how you're willing to look at the world and who you're willing to talk to are you are you are you so triggered by one side of something that you that you cling to it and can't have a rational dialogue or are you still a freaking human maybe that's the better way to put it uh you know between the people that are still actual human beings that can communicate like adults or are you just kind of a you know a spasmatic child maybe that maybe it's not blue and red as much as that well you, you know what we forgot about from a couple of years ago it's and, and it's just blown up today is the whole npc meme yeah I mean, it's, maybe that's it, like Karen. It, it, it's so irrelevant now because, uh, yeah, they're yeah all everyone's an NPC. It's like you were just you're just looking around and you're like, oh, that person's just doing what they're told and they have no reason for if you ask them why, you know, at least when I ask somebody, hey, you know, every once in a while I'll ask, you know, when do you, when do you plan on taking off the mask when there's a vaccine? Well, at least that person has they really haven't thought it through at all, but they've made a decision. They're like, okay, I'm going to take off the mask when there's a vaccine. I've asked people when they're going to take off the mask and they look at me like, I, I mean, like, I don't know. I haven't even thought about that yet. And those are the people who 10 years from now are going to be wearing a mask. And, and it's, I have to agree with Vin, you know, from my talks with him is it, it's not going away. It's just not going away. It's part of the culture. Now it's become clothing. It's clothing. I mean, you can go into biggest mall here in atlanta there's it's not a brick and mortar one but it's a huge um glass enclosed i mean a large masks store in the mall and then you see all of the big companies 
they're branding their masks. They have branded masks. Um, I see this every day. I mean, you really think this is going away? I mean, there's there have been people asking hand- us, like, should or, you know, will you guys want to do Lions Liberty masks? And I'm like, no, because I don't want to be oh. a part of. The, I don't want to be a part of normal. Like I, I've had days where I'm like, oh, maybe I'll get a cooler looking mask. I'm like, no, so I have to slap myself. I'm like, no, I don't want a cooler looking version of this thing that I don't want to exist at all. Yeah, I, I just the one when I fly, the one that I wear um, is it's just it's a piece of fabric, and it looks like I'm there to rob the place. It comes, it's just comes here. It comes all the way down my neck, and then when I take it off, it's like I'm, I have a neckerchief on. And it's and I've sneezed through it on the plane. I've actually sneezed on the plane, put my hand up. Everything's on my hand. Mass didn't stop it and everything. So it's like, I mean, it's it's all theater. It's, you know, they used to call the TSA security theater. This is like sanitary theater. You know, it's like people are wearing nothing on the plane, you know, to, you know, Stuff that's looser than pantyhose. I mean, you're not going to get any, you can put everything through them. You're going to sneeze. You're going to spit through them, everything. And it's just theater at this point. And, you know, I guess it's making some people feel better. You know, it's like the TSA. It makes some people feel better, you know, knowing it's there knowing they've never stopped a terrorist, but over 400 of them have been arrested and for stealing and. Yeah, I don't know. That's actually an argument I heard someone make the other day. They said, like, "Well, okay, even because I, you know, God bless Tom Woods for the work he's doing uh, on on looking at the mask charts and the lockdowns and how there's just no difference at whatsoever between any place with the mask ma- mask mandate, uh, any place with lockdowns. That there's literally no pattern you can possibly find. And you present this stuff to people, and most of them would just say, "Oh, I guess you know better than the doctors." Like I just showed you twenty. Yeah. So there's no point because people aren't. If people just like with TDS, this is this is like TDS on steroids. It's like you know. Uh, COVID derangement syndrome. I mean, I mean, the no no chart in the universe is going to convince these people. And that that same argument was made to, the, to me, uh, where where I, I kind of laid out, look, yeah, these, there's no evidence that mask mandates work. So you might want them, and you might want to wear a mask, fine, but don't act like it's doing anything. And I actually, I guess, got him to back away from the fact that it was doing something. And then the argument pivoted to, well, is it so hard to just wear it to make people feel better if if they're yeah. afraid they're going to die? Yeah. I'm like. Actually, yes. I actually have a major problem with that because now you're telling me I have to wear a fucking rag on my face to give someone a false sense of security. I would actually call that dangerous. Now, maybe that person who maybe they're older and should be, uh, you know, staying away from from people or should be, you know, doing doing something more. Now, maybe they say, oh, this guy's got the mask. Everything's fine. No, I mean, no, I think at some point we have to say it's not okay to do something just to make people people feel better. If I went to South Florida tomorrow and visited my uncle who's in long-term care, he's like 71, 72 now, I would voluntarily wear a mask. Right. I mean, I would voluntarily wear a mask because, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not getting tested. I'm not getting tested until I, I'm absolutely forced to or have to because um, I just don't want to become a statistic. I mean, you look at Elon Musk putting out that tweet. I was tested four times, same test, same person, two were positive, two were negative. And then the comment below that I think that got more likes and retweets than even Elon said, this is an irresponsible tweet. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I don't because know what to do with Because he's going against anymore. the narrative and it doesn't matter what, what the logic is, even though this should be an obvious something we should all say, okay, well, that's maybe it's just a freak event. Maybe most of them are accurate, except for this one, these, these four that Elon Musk had. But that's the kind of thing that should make a, I guess, a red pilled or adult or a human person actually think twice. But because it goes against the narrative, all that does is trigger anyone who is in that sort of blue pilled COVID mania state. I kind of know what it feels like now to be a flat earther. <laughs> you know, 
where they they present all this evidence and everybody goes, oh, you're absolutely nuts and everything. I was like, you know, and it's like, well, yeah, I mean, it makes me wonder. You know, maybe they're onto something, you know? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I mean, who knows what the hell's going on anymore? At, I mean, at I just point, at this point, reality is reality is basically whatever the government, the press, and the university say it is, and ninety percent, ninety to ninety five percent of the people buy into it. And they could tell they could tell people stick your thumb up your ass and COVID will go away. And you know what? If I if I thought it would change people's minds, I'd go right along with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if I thought you know, if I thought you know, it's like a Vin talked about on uh, one of our episodes. He said that um, it's going to get to the point where there's going to be like somebody's going to be in the front of the room and go, "Okay, what's we're going to be chanting." And this chanting is going to make it go away. And there's going to be some libertarian in the back of the room who's going to go, you know, um, that, and you're like, shut the hell up. <laughs> if they think it, yeah, if, right. if this is going to make them believe that it goes away, let them do it. Right. You know, because <laughs> we're because, not going to beat them with logic. So why even bring it up? Oh, yeah. Logic, logic and reason is de- is dead. I mean, I don't know how um, Ben Shapiro still has a show because I mean, I mean, feelings do not care about your facts they do that not is the, not that in is, this world yeah, that is the way to put it right there not in covid world yeah, yeah and you mentioned your talks with vin uh and vin armani and uh, to me those have been must listen for me all year since you guys started doing these uh, i think around the time uh covid started uh i i also had him on the show over the summer and that's that's one of the more popular episodes i did uh all year and and in the last one you guys did you guys got in some really interesting areas the kind of areas that you just do not hear really discussed on libertarian podcasts on podcasts at all, maybe that, that I've heard uh, really getting into areas of uh, spirituality and this sort of thing. But I'm, part of me is really starting, not part of me, more than more than part of me is starting to think that these sort of conversations, like conversations about how we can improve ourselves, how we can find a better place for ourselves, whether it's mentally or by forming other communities or what have you, uh, are even more important than the philosophical dis- philosophical discussions about the ideas of liberty. Um you know, like like Jordan Peterson says, you got to clean up your fucking room first. I don't know if he says fucking, but uh, in my mind, he does. You know, you, you have to be the, a better version of yourself. You have to have the most clear mind possible, uh, you know, to to even have a chance of influencing other people, to even have a chance of being persuasive and um, and getting at least maybe some number of people that are close to you out of. Because I do think on an individual level, you can still read people. Pe- you can still read pill people. Um but it's got to be really, really targeted and really, you know, done in the right way because in mass, it just seems impossible. Uh, but I do want to dig into uh, a little bit of your own history with, you know, spiritual practices, meditation. You can start wherever you like, but uh, this is something that I, I think libertarians who many of whom, eh, myself included, sometimes all of us included, sometimes are maybe just a little too tied up in their own shit, a little too uptight. Uh, and I think, you know, people that start to put some of this stuff into practice in their daily life, uh, as I have over the last, you know, year and a half or two years or so, uh, they're going to see changes in their own life that they can't even imagine. And it's going to have nothing to do with politics, but it's all going to trickle down into the rest of your life. But yeah, take, take it away from there, wherever you want. Yeah, about 12 years ago, I was just a ball of anxiety. I mean, it was just a mess. Um, housing crisis, Ron Paul didn't get didn't get past the primaries. And that was probably the last time that I had a true hope in actual politics. Like I've I've had yeah, hope in changing oh, yeah. people's minds about politics, but that was the last time I was like, there was moments I was like, oh my god, he's gonna he really won Iowa, and they're gonna recognize it, and they're gonna send, <laughs> and he's gonna get all the delegates, and like that, that is hilarious that I ever thought that at this point. <laughs> I know. It's adorable, really. but the um, 
it, well, I was such a virgin in politics at that point. I yeah. didn't even, if you, if you would ask me to explain the caucus system, there was no way I would have known it. But that summer, the summer of 2008, when everything was going to shit, um, I decided I, I wanted to learn how to meditate and I literally went online and started looking and um, I found a course and I got it and I didn't know what to expect from it. I mean, it's a frigging course online, but I mean, it changed my life. And then I started looking at other ways to meditate. So, I mean, I know probably like there's like five or six different methods that I can use, but the one that the original one is the one I stick to. Um, it really helps me um, stress relief. Um, if I have a hangover or something like that, it'll really like cut it in half and take it down about 75%. Yeah, that's one thing I've not, I've never used meditation as a hangover cure. I still go right to, you know, the snacks and the sodas <laughs> for that, but that's, that's what I'll have to try to work in. Yeah. And so, um, I started getting into that and soon I found out that, um, I was, I, yeah, I started going to a Buddhist temple after a while to learn other ways to meditate, just to talk to a couple, you know, they had a couple monks there who were from Tibet and everything. So yeah, I was trying to really figure out what this was all about. And um, it's probably right around 2011, 2012, I had been meditating for a while. I started not getting visions, but I just started like, it was like a flood of information would start coming into my mind when I was meditating. And it was all very practical stuff. It was like stuff that I had been worried about and answers to questions I had been asking and, you know, things in my life that I just couldn't figure out what to do. And the answers were showing up. So I was, you know, bought in 100%. And to this day, I mean, I meditate every single day. You know, you can ask my wife. My wife is like, you know, when we travel, it's like I wake up in the morning and it's like, I, you know, if we're like, one of the reasons we don't do hotels and we do Airbnbs is so that we can have separate, you know, we can have a room, a separate room where I can go and meditate, you know, so everything is just, is that, yeah, it's like that important to me to do every single day, at least once in the morning. So like I wake up at five 30 in the morning, most mornings just to be up before everyone else, before everyone starts stirring and um, I meditate and it's really helped me a lot. I mean, like I said, I used to be a ball of anxiety. I used to be, I used to be, you know, also anger. I had a lot of anger all the time and it's just helped to take that away. And it's just helped me to have more clarity of thought too. Um, you know, sometimes you just, you're thinking about something and you just can't get it. And um, if I just shut, even if I shut my mind off, if I'm at work and I'm having a problem, I can just sit back, shut my mind off. And as soon as I shut my, like, I would say 10 to 15 seconds after I get my mind completely shut down, all this information starts flowing in and um, it gets me right back on track. So it's been very helpful to me. And what's funny is um, ever since that episode dropped with Vin um, earlier th this week, I've had people contact me and I've been able to send them the, I have on, um, I have a folder on my phone, the original meditation course, and I've been able to send it, email it to them and everything. So please, please don't go crazy. I'll, I'll probably just put it up on my website so that people can download it. Or, or so, yeah, because I mean, yeah, yeah, at this point, um, yeah, I don't want, just don't flood my email. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll put something, I'll, I'll give Mark a, um, an address that you can download. Yeah, it from. shoot me a link or something but, and then, uh, yeah, but the um, harass me. Yeah, yeah, but the um, yeah that that was helpful. Um, you know, reading then looking into Hinduism and um, Ram Das who died um, 
earlier this year. Um, I, I think it was either the first week of this year. It was the last week, uh, the last week of 2019 was a real, real um, inspiration for me. I, I discovered his audios from the seventies and some from the early sixties when he had come back from India and, you know, he just talked about going there and meditating talking to the holy men and them just blow, being blown away by these people, by some of the, some of the knowledge that they possessed. And so, you know, I spent a good section of like 2010 to 2015. That's all I was doing was I was looking into that and it, you know, it really changed my life a lot. Um, you know, and what's funny is right around 2015 is when um, at work, I started having all success and, you know, offers to, you know, you know, a lot more money than I'd ever made before and things like that. And it was I think it was just I needed to calm down. I needed to just stop being such a ball of, you know, anxiety and anger and you know negativity. And I, you know, I think a lot of people might think that I'm negative from my social media my social media um persona and everything. And <laughs> no, but, you know, come I think on. a lot of people would think that. <laughs> I, but but you know, so I, I think a lot of people listen to the podcast and they don't really they don't pick up on it. Like I'm totally different on social media. And then it's hard to read people on social media because if you know you a little bit better, you maybe you've talked to on you on podcasts, or I'm sure people that know you in real life know this. You know, a lot of these tweets you're putting out there, you're doing them with a smile and you're relaxed, but yeah. people take it on themselves and might yeah. say, oh, he's this angry guy. He's so he's so stressed out and angry. But that's that's because they're putting it on. They're putting that on it, do, not you. Do you know how many times I, I pop a tweet off and then I copy it and I put it into like DM, like a DM group we have with like like Bird and Carr and Aaron, you know, from Friends Against Government. And I'm like, OK, I'm going to let this sit for an hour and see what happens. We got you know, and that's come back. just. Yeah, yeah, just just what's going to happen with this one. And it's so much fun. But then, you know, you can meet me at an event. I've been to like four different events in the last uh, in the last six weeks. And I don't think there's anyone who can uh, you know, say that I was negative or, you know, mean or you know yelling or upset or anything. I'm just out there having a good time. But, you know, sometimes if you're on social media, you sometimes you just really if you're going to wake people up, you're going to have some people need to be smacked upside the head. I mean, that's the way it happened to me. I mean, Ron Paul smacked me upside the head. I mean, yeah, Ron Paul didn't lay out a chart for you know why, no. <laughs> why like you know how somehow if you invade this many countries there will be x the y axis shows how much terrorism. Ha no, he just told you what was going on, and he did it in a way that smacked you upside the head. He didn't baby you into it or try to you know lay out the 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 you know the arithmetic case for why you should believe x y and z. Um, going back into the into the meditation a little bit, I think it can be mm -hmm. intimidating for some people because for me it was intimidating for to me for a really long time because i my mind is always racing like it's always thinking of a million things or i, I should say was not as much now as it used to um but you know like whenever i would start to meditate or try to i would i would kind of give up really quickly like in the, the first like i don't know a thousand times i tried it maybe because i would just find myself oh i'm thinking about oh yeah i'm not supposed to be thinking about anything oh no i'm thinking about all these things thinking about all these things and then you, I, I would start to stress about how I'm thinking about all these things. And then I just would give up in like, you know, a couple of minutes, but then what you got to realize is that that's okay. <laughs> like everybody's always thinking about things. And I think for a lot of people, that is what keeps them away. I mean, I've had people that I've talked to. They're like, yeah, I just, can't, it's just not for me. I can't do it because I'm like, well, you can do it. Like I've done it. So you can do it because we're all humans. And we're all basically made the same. So any of us can do it, but it is very intimidating. Did you have any of that intimidation just because of the fact that, you know, you were stressed out, you were thinking about a lot of things. Cause to me, the, the, 
being able to accept that you're not supposed to think about it, but it's okay for those thoughts to come in is, was kind of like a hard paradox for me to get over for a while. Having a guide, um, a paper guide, if I would have had a guide from the start, a, a human being, I think things would have went, well, I mean, things went very smooth for me. I think, I think the greatest, the best meditate, um, time I've ever meditated was the first time. It was it was 20 minutes of my brain completely shut off, nothing flowing in. I mean, my brain was completely shut off. And then after that, it started slowly, things started creeping in. And, um, you know, then I and it bothered me and then I accepted it. Um, but I know this sounds so hippy dippy and pe so many people have heard this word and everything. And um, I had a good conversation with somebody this weekend who is like a um, has done ayahuasca done dmt took took her mom for like her 50th birthday to do ayahuasca and everything um and you have to have an intention when you're doing it and my intention when i first started meditating was to delete get get rid of stress mm -hmm. and when you when you go into it with a purpose but maybe intention is to too much of a I think it's spiritual a, yeah, word. I think it's a perfectly fine but word to use. But when you go in with a purpose where, okay, this is why I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier to do. So, you know, the yeah. first six months it was, I'm just getting rid of all the stress I have in my body and everything. And then, you know, after, and I just kept doing it, kept doing it after a couple of years, I would, I guess nothing that the only thing I can say is spiritual things started, not spiritual things. You know, it's like, What's funny is, you know, it's like you can use the I, words, I've, you can use whatever words you want to describe it. But I've I've never like like no none of the secrets of the universe mm -hmm. have ever come to me. But it's been the secrets of my life have come to me. You know, it's like, okay, what do I need to Some do now? And it's the like the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was thinking that as I was <laughs> saying it too. Um, but you know, so the secrets of my of the, the things that I need to do in order to get past something or to take it to the next level would just start coming to me like crazy. And you know, when I first started, I was doing, I was meditating twice a day in the morning, um, at night. And I've gotten down to just, I, I really only need to do it one time now where it's, I've gotten to the point where it's just like, okay, I mean, I know why I'm doing this. Um, I know what's I don't know what's going to happen, but I know what's going to happen. I don't know specifically what's going to happen, but I know generally what's going to happen. And um, I mean, I don't think that there is anything um, outside of, you know, getting married that changed my life as much as learning how to meditate. So uh, it's just, it's, a. <laughs> I mean, I, it worked for me. I've, I know other people who meditate. And when I meet someone who meditates, it's like, um, it's it's like you met some. It's like meeting another um, Anne Cap in the wild <laughs> yeah. or something like that. You know? oh, we it's talk like about wait a minute, it for an hour? <laughs> wait a minute. You you have a Ron Paul bumper sticker on your on your Subaru. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and you know, and, and then I started finding out about like transcendental meditation, TM centers all over the world where people would, you know, I remember finding out Howard Stern had done that. Like when he was young, he had, some of the most like successful 20... people on the planet do it regularly. Oh yeah. Or, or meditators. I mean, Steve Jobs was, right. uh, Keanu Reeves is a Buddhist and everything. So, you know, I mean, I just, yeah, and I think Vin made a great point on um, episode 499. He said that it's really, if somebody's non-religious, um, Eastern 
is easier. Anything from the East is a lot easier than anything from the West. You know, going into like, I mean, Christianity has this history. When you bring up Christianity, immediately something pops into somebody's mind. It's, and it's not Christian myth, myth, mysticism. Yeah. It's not Gnosticism right. or things like that. You know, um, it's it's this hardcore, you know, like a, they, a cultural totalitarianism they, that they feel that goes along with that, that sort of yeah. side of things. Yeah. So it's like um, I, I thought Vin was, was smart. He said, um, you know, and he talked about fasting. He said, that's like if you want to try something spiritual, don't eat for 24 hours. And see what happens. You know, maybe do it. Definitely do it on a day off, and maybe have some music ready. Or you know, to me, it's like writing. Um, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna fast, I want to have um, I want to have my Chromebook there so that I can I can type stuff out. Um, I've done seven day fast before, wow. where all I've drank, where all I've drank was water and salt, uh, salt water, and that's really that's hard. I mean, you have to build up to that, you know, one day to three day to five day. And when you get to seven, it's, uh, it's brutal. I mean, you, you know, and I did it while I was working. Everybody says, Oh, the first time you do a seven day, make sure you're on vacation or something. You know, it's a staycation. You're staying at home and everything. No, I did it while I was working. And I was like almost in tears a couple of times, you know, because it was, uh, it was really taking a toll on me, but you know, that changed me a lot, you know? And then um, I, I listened to that yeah. podcast uh, just, it was interesting timing because I had just done a 24 or 26 hour fast with the new moon, right? When I, right. And then I dropped. And then as you guys were talking about it and talking about, you know, seven day fast, I was like, man, that sounds terrible, but I also really want to do that because it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a weird thing fasting because it is hard sort of, but it's actually not that hard. It's really all in your head because your body doesn't need, need food. I mean, it doesn't need food for quite no. a while. You're totally fine. You do need right. water. You do need liquids. You do need, you know, electrolytes and this sort of thing. But you don't really need food for a while as long as you're, a, a, you know, a healthy person that doesn't have other other health implications. That you know, I, sh- I certainly wouldn't recommend just jumping into a fast without for everybody because some people should shouldn't really. But um, for most of us, you can go without food, and j- it really just becomes a mental exercise, much like uh, meditating. It is really just pushing your mind to new places. It's not pushing your body like you think it is. It's your mind that's making you think that it's pushing your body into a place that. Mm-hmm. It but that pushing of your mind is, is like you said, this is when you're getting all these ideas. This is when uh, you feel like answers are coming at you, much like when you get into a deep meditation. And uh, I'm not, you know, I, I've always been, um, I guess, atheist to an extent, agnostic, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, you know, getting into things like meditation and um, things of this nature have made me start to think, not not that I agree with the God thing as more, but it's made me look at, this is quite a segue, I don't even know how I got here. Uh, but it's, Do it. Go, go, man. I'm, re- I'm ready to talk about psychedelics. We're in the flow state. Yeah, that's next up. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's made me think, wow, maybe what a lot of those people were talking about, if I just remove the word God and just replace is it with I don't know the universe, your your spirit, your personal spirit, whatever you want to you know change the wording of to make you feel differently about it or what have you. You can start to realize it's all sort of the same thing, and a lot of these people are talking about the same thing. And so much of what we do and so much of where we go, it's only quite literally only in our in our mind, and our body is just is a vessel that we're using at the moment. But it's it's not what it's not what controls us. And when we learn to control our mind, because we really are in charge, then you know we're going to have that much more control over our lives, and that's where it ties right back in. One of the best things that I heard was um, the Dalai Lama, the current one. This was a decade and a half ago or something. Was with a whole bunch of um, uh, microbiologists and everything, and they were talking about the mind you know, and they were making fun of him because, you know, he's, he's talking about all these things that are beyond, you know, and, you know, most Buddhists are not, um, 
are not theists. I mean, they don't believe in God. They just believe in, you know, and he, and so all these doctors are like, well, we know this, we know this, we know this, we know this. And the Dalai Lama just goes, can you explain consciousness? <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> and I just, it just shuts everyone down, Nobody can. you know, because it's, because it's like, um, I was, I was a hardcore atheist until my second LSD trip. <laughs> And um, the second? yeah, yeah, it took me to say the first one wasn't that good. If, if you listen, if you listen to 499, I said that the first one wasn't that good. Uh, but the second one I didn't go into intention with, but my girlfriend who I was with alone went into with intention with. And, um, yeah, it was, um, it, it, it went way beyond everything. But, um, it was funny was I posted this meme that, um, I found it. I thought it was hilarious. And I put it on Instagram and it was like, Hey, let's just go and do mushrooms and look at Christmas lights. And, um, a friend Sounds of mine, like an amazing day. Yeah. And a friend of mine, uh, comes in there and, and go, and she goes, um, she goes, yeah, mushrooms is what turned my atheist ass, <laughs> turned my atheist ass around <laughs> and, and made me start questioning everything else. So yeah, the um, church, the yeah, church was, really should be pushing this stuff if they were smart. I mean, <laughs> there was a lot, there were a lot of Christian or early Christian sects who were um, experimenting with, you know, but they were persecuted by the others. You know, is you know, I always tell this story about how Marcion was like one or two votes away from becoming the Pope. And he was a Gnostic. I mean, what do you think Christianity would look like if, if they would have had a Gnostic Pope in like the second or third century? It would be a totally <laughs> different you know, world, at least from that side of things. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, LSD to me is that was what really just, um, you just, you go into and the world becomes completely different. And yeah, it's, it's so funny. People have been like, can you explain to me what it's like being an LSD? And I'm like, sorry, I can't. I just, I can't, it's not your, as much as a fish can explain to you what it's like to breathe underwater and live in the, in the depths of the ocean. Sure. You could explain it, but you're not really going to know what that's like. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, it's like the second time I did it, I saw stuff that I never studied. I saw like historical stuff. It was almost like I time traveled. And, you know, so I mean, there was something else I was doing at the time that basically caused that to happen, which was, of course, <laughs> you're looking, you, see, yeah. I'm on video with um, Pete, so you guys can just imagine you're and maybe if you're in the Patreon, you can, I am me and I'll, I'll tell you, maybe, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was, um, that made me like, I, I felt like I time traveled back in time. And it was at that point, I was just like, right, this isn't my mind messing with me because I have no point of reference because I'm seeing stuff that I've never studied. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, okay, so, all right, this is happening. And it's freaking amazing. It was amazing. And ever since then, it's like, I mean, I, I became a Christian for a while. I abandoned that because it just wasn't it. I, I didn't see the authority in it. I didn't see, um, how they could back up all the claims that they were making, but it doesn't mean that I don't believe in, I'm not going to even say a deity. I'm going to say something. something. Yeah. There's something. That's going what on I say now. There. Something. Yeah. I don't know what that thing is, and I'm not going to pretend to, but it's something. <laughs> 
because there there's <laughs> there's really no denying it. If you've ever, I mean, I think even if you've just gotten into meditation alone, because like a lot of people might write off experiences like you're semi describing, <laughs> uh, more so on the video, but uh, as as okay, well, you know, these people are just on drugs, whatever. And, oh, oh, great, they saw God on drugs, or they saw this and that on drugs. That's the drugs. But you can achieve the exact, and and people throughout history have achieved the exact same things through meditation, through fasting, through shamanic chanting. I mean, there are many ways to get your mind to to see these sort of things. Psychedelics just kind of like you know. A little shortcut on steroids, uh, but like I have had experiences meditating, you know, sober as as, as a ghost. Uh, I don't think that's a phrase, but it is now sober as a ghost. And uh, I have seen like I have been like going through a portal like just from meditating, like I, and that's a similar experience that you might have on a psychedelic of some kind. So, you know, the, the fact that you can get there either through a substance or through your own mind, through your own mind, like. Okay, right off the substance, fine. There's a million people, billions of people throughout history that have gotten to these places without taking any substances, just through their own their own mind and putting their own their own body through through certain things, and they all relate similar experiences of some kind or another. I mean, the conversation we're having right now has been taking place for. I don't know how long man's been around. Hundreds of thousands of years, maybe longer, who knows? Uh, Because there is a shared experience there. There is something connecting us all to something else. And I'm not going to pretend to know what that something else is, but I'm sure as hell not going to be naive enough or arrogant enough anymore to act like that there's nothing there. Because there's just no way way to argue that. (laughs) Well, I, I have this theory that man at one point was walking this earth as a just two things sex food and sex and that's all it was and further from there now but yeah (laughs) no but i i think that that somebody in that family back then found a plant and ate it and that may have been what triggered consciousness and it's as good it's as good an explanation as anyone almost like it it wasn't even there before like yeah. we like we were maybe no different than uh you know a, a bear or and maybe bears have consciousness i don't know i don't want to offend bear people but you know maybe other animals have some level of consciousness but no more than a creature that was just doing what it has to survive and then somehow this extra layer got added on like maybe one person found this layer and maybe they don't even need to give it to maybe other people don't need to take that plant they just can teach them how to access it they can teach other people and then maybe at some point that becomes part of who we are and that's what makes us human maybe as opposed to whatever was slightly before humans sure and i i mean i've heard theories of people saying that the idea of god was that somebody found you know, one of the early our early ancestors found a plant ate it and then started now a conversation had the ability to have a conversation in their head and it's like okay whoa wait a wait, minute i'm talking to myself who's talking to me yeah okay. yeah who's who's talking to me everything so i mean i don't know man it's when you look at when you start studying and i know you know this um when you start studying psychedelics and the history of psychedelics it is um it's been a huge part of religion yeah it, it, it didn't start in the 60s it did not start time. in the 1960s no. my friends not at all no we're t- we're talking tens of Timothy thousands Leary did not of years like <laughs> yeah. he did well, help I mean, popularize yeah, some things yeah. and then you know god bless him but definitely and my um one of 
one of the people I consider to be one of the biggest influences on me, Ram Das, was um, he was at Harvard at the time with the Timothy mm-hmm. Leary when all this was going on and everything. And they Not were going, uh, did, you ever, did you ever hear the, the stories about that where they would, they were, they got, they basically all got kicked out of there because they were giving psilocybin to divinity students and they were putting them on the, um, they were in the basement of a church and they were doing blind studies. So some people got psilocybin, some people didn't. And the ones who didn't, they, uh, you know, I had a religious experience in prayer and everything, but the people who had psilocybin, it was like, they had, they had counted like eight kind of religious experiences. Yeah, I, I just met Jesus, Ganesh, like, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was, I love reading. I love reading about that stuff. And then, um, you know, a book, if you really want to see what the, what the mind, if you don't want to do psychedelics, but you want to see what the mind can do on psychedelics is Ram Dass's be here now. I mean, he basically wrote that on, you know, wrote that tripping acid. And it's like, it's so amazing. I've read that so many times and you're just like, yeah, it, it, it well, it, it helps if you have experience because you're like, oh yeah, I definitely see that. I de- hurt. Oh yeah, that picture he just that picture he just drew. I definitely see that. Yeah, but I mean, th- the title <laughs> of that book is is just such a lesson uh, of itself. Be oh, yeah. here now. I mean, that's that's the lesson. I mean, it's a struggle every day. I mean, I, I find myself thinking about what am I going to be doing next in the year and three years. But you got to try to you know. Yeah, plan for the future in, in reasonable ways. But living now is the most important thing we can do because now is all we know we have. Uh, the past is whatever the past is. Maybe it's now, maybe it's later. Who knows? Uh, future is something that is kind of like whatever. This is all we have. The now is the only thing that truly exists at this moment. So, yeah. And if you really don't want to like go and if you think that's too hippy dippy and everything, Eckhart Tolle has been writing books for, you know, over a decade now. And those books are great introductions into, um, you know, living in the in the now and understanding that everything everything happens in the now that there really is no future and there really is no past it's just what you're experiencing now so wow that just sounded really (laughs) well what the (laughs) listener is experiencing now is hopefully something very unexpected to what they normally hear on this podcast but that is what i wanted to do with you today because you know we've done it we've done the libertarian theory podcast i got you got 500 episodes you actually just lapped me recently uh with your doing your three days a week i I saw that i was like ah well oh well it is what it is uh you know you've been killing it man just uh, the fact that you i know how hard it is sometimes for me to get out one episode for a week so the fact that you have consistently been doing uh three well i don't know i think you've been doing three for maybe a couple of years, but um, you know, the yeah. fact that you put out this amount of content in such such a, a shorter amount of time than, than I have is incredibly impressive. Knowing how difficult it's been for me to just put out the content I have, so I'm thoroughly impressed by everything you've been doing, and I've really been enjoying. Uh, anybody who's been listening to your show can see that you've been getting a lot of away, uh, very much away from, like you said earlier, from the libertarian theory, libertarian philosophy. Like we've done what we can do there in many ways. So uh, I, I'm glad to see you branching off into. Uh, you know what I find to be more interesting subjects, and I hope that the listeners do too. Because ultimately, all the reason I started my show, it's not even necessarily about turning everyone into libertarians. I always wanted to, but one of my main goals was always just to get people to think differently. And one of those people that has thought differently over those years, I mean, I started this in 2013, has been me. So, like, my thought process has yeah. changed. I don't even recognize myself from 2013, barely. I mean, I listened to shows from back then. I'm like, who is this this loser? You know, but uh, maybe I'll think the same thing seven years from now. But to me, this has been a journey and a process. And 
as this journey goes on, I, I think we need to be shifting the way we're doing content and and the types of things we're talking about because I hope that as I'm evolving, my listeners are too because you know I don't want people to stay stuck in their old ways. I don't want people to spend the rest of their lives trying to convince people you know with charts and graphs of, uh, to to live a libertarian lifestyle because I have found that that is not the way necessarily to happiness. It might it might change some people's minds, but. The first thing you got to do is focus on your own self and your own, you know, kind of your own, your how you live your own life. And I, I hope that at least maybe like the latter half of this conversation will uh, give some people some thoughts, some ideas about how they can kind of do that on their own. And and I know when we first set this interview up, maybe like three or four weeks ago, because I always got to schedule way in advance to try to make these things work. Uh, we, we were, I was like, oh, let's do that show about the the documentary that. <laughs> and I think we talked about it for two minutes. So before I, I, I'm sure that most people, at least a large majority of uh, my listeners, have have, have watched by now or at least aware of it but before i let you go here i will let you circle back to that talk a little bit more about uh, monopoly on violence where everybody can find it our listeners are smart though they go on youtube and they watch it but you know oh easiest way to find it is the monopoly on violence.com you got the link to youtube a free download 720 ten dollar download 4k um you can donate we, we didn't make any money we're never going to make any money off of documentaries. It's just not going to happen. Anyone who knows anything about documentaries, if you're willing to sell Don't it, go to, into it trying to get rich. Yeah. Yeah. If you're willing to sell it to platforms who can then shelve it and it never sees the light of day, you know, then you can, you might be able to make some money, but you know, we're not going to do that. So the monopoly on I really hope people like that because it, uh, honestly, I mean, I was I was there through the whole making of it. I wrote a lot of the questions that were um, that were asked. I did a lot of the interviews, especially the ones at Mises University, and I was floored to see the finished product. I Chris did, did su- Chris did such a great job with it, editing it and putting it together. JJ Boogie with the music nice. and everything. Right. I mean, it was just yeah, it was just it was beautiful and I'm always going to be proud of it. Um, I just wish that it could be on Amazon. I know that, that I think right now we're around. Have they given you any kind of thing like, Oh, there, this is being delayed or they've given you any kind of feedback on it or it's in, it's in, you just have it's pending. It's in processing. Yeah. It's pending basically. Yeah. And I mean, 80, 88,000 views on YouTube, but I know that if we can get it on Amazon, that, Everyone who's watched it will recommend it to a, you know, a family member. Hey, this is what I this is what I believe. It's on Amazon. It's on Prime. Look, you can you know, watch it. It's easy. Will start yeah. looking. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then you know, if it becomes big and does great numbers, and you move it, try to go to Netflix and you try to go to other platforms and everything. But I mean, really, it's um, yeah. I, I somebody doesn't want that out there. I just picture a boardroom, a boardroom of Amazon executives like smoking cigars and watching this thing over and over. Like, do we do we put do we approve it? Ah, I don't know. It's, let's watch it again and find. <laughs> well, I would I would hope that that was uh, what they were doing, you know, especially if they were doing it on YouTube so we can get the numbers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, either way, it's on YouTube for free, so please do check out if you if you somehow have not seen it yet. Monopoly on violence, and uh, Pete, any any final words? Uh, I'll pull up Michael Malice. What's your favorite favorite part of this interview? Um, talking about psychedelics and meditation, man. I never. How did I know? I How never I really know? get to talk about that stuff. You know, it's like I mean, I've always been afraid. You know, it's like so many libertarians are just so stodgy, and you know, just it's like oh. You, oh, you, you just became a libertarian because you like drugs and everything like that. Now that was way back, man. It was like when I became a libertarian, I wasn't doing. You got the order way wrong. Yeah, it was yeah. like when I became a libertarian, I hadn't done, I hadn't, I hadn't drank in like four years. 
You know, it was like, I mean, I was stone cold sober when I became a libertarian. Yeah, I would say it's a reverse order often, if anything. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, um, I, I just hope everyone likes the documentary. I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Just put out episode number 500 that um, is getting great reviews and getting me called a fascist, which is great. Yeah, and, you know, and, um, you know, it's funny. Everybody's like, well, you know, you have someone who's like really far right on for episode 500. And I'm like, yeah. And for episode 501, I'm going to have an anarcho-communist on. Are you going to complain about that? Oh, no, you're not going to complain about that no, because you're no, under no. the impression that the left means well. They just they, they, they never carry it through. Right. Yeah. When you say never carry it through. Right. You're talking about 250 million people dead. So, yeah, maybe, maybe get your priorities right. But if you have Curtis Jarvin on suddenly, <laughs> the world goes to shit. And you're yeah, the, the the guy who in the world may understand political power and how politics works more than anyone alive. Yeah, I, I can't have him on. <laughs> well, we'll definitely check out. Um, you know, check out Pete's interview with Curtis Jarvin. It's I think the second time you had him on, and then uh, four ninety nine with Vin Armani. And all 498 before that, because you know, you've been killing it over these years, Pete. So uh, congratulations on 500 episodes. And, you know, we'll do this again one of these times soon. Maybe we'll need to do a, a four-hour uh, bonus Patreon version of this sometime uh, under different circumstances. Uh, but I, for now, this will have to be a teaser. I could, I could talk about that stuff for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> well, maybe if you can get up to Porkfest next year, because we're all planning to go, maybe we'll do a, a, an in-person version of this whole conversation, uh, you know, until six in the morning or something like that. But we'll That's see. a distinct possibility. Well, Pete, it's been a blast as always. And uh, I had, this is one of the most fun uh, conversations I've had in a long time, uh, at, le- at least on the podcast. So <laughs> thanks so much, Pete. Keep up the great work, man. Keep on roaring. Yeah, I love you, brother. All right, kitty cats, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with the one and only Pete Quinones. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. It was great just sitting back and seeing where the conversation took us, and I think it took us into some pretty interesting directions. Uh, Pete did send me a link to his meditation course that he did, so I will post a link to that over on our brand new website over at lionsofliberty.com. That new website was paid for by our wonderful patrons. You can be a patron. You can join the pride by heading over to patreon.com slash lionsofliberty. Don't forget kids it's not just me here every single monday on the flagship lions of liberty podcast you also got brian mcwilliams smacking you upside the head with his weekly shot of comedy culture and liberty over on electric liberty land every single wednesday while john Odie odermatt wraps things up with his hard-hitting inspiring look at the broken criminal justice system on felony friday you get them all for the price of one three shows for the price of one the price is free just make sure you smash that darn subscribe button so you don't miss a thing until next time kiddos live long and live free Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. And libertarians are better Democrats than the Democrats and better Republicans than the Republicans. A Republican president, a Republican-controlled Congress, presided over the biggest expansion of government up to that point in history. And what's going to happen when they realize that Social Security is nothing but a racist, sexist, ageist, Ponzi scheme. 
I mean, how badly do you have to screw something up before we finally conclude that uh, maybe government can't solve this problem? The free market is the ultimate expression of democracy. I do the show two days a week. It's a free show. You sure you don't want to see some evidence to back up any of their claims before you get us into another war? Their entire existence is exploitative. Everything they eat, everything they drink, the roof over their heads. It was all paid for from theft at the threat of violence. Isn't it interesting that an education system run by the government somehow churns out a bunch of people who favor the government handling everything? That's the type of accounting that would get you thrown in prison if anybody else were to do it. But that's how the federal government operates. Black, white, Indian, Asian, rich, poor, short, tall, everybody benefits from freer markets. Libertarianism is principled. It's philosophically sound. In the arena of ideas, we cannot be defeated. This is the Peddling Fiction Podcast, the voice and soul of so-called fiction. Follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. Download and subscribe, and no matter what happens, keep on peddling that so-called fiction. <laughs>